is presented as entertainment, not flight instruction. Though some participants are certified flight instructors, their comments, opinions, and discussions of flying techniques are theirs alone. None of the co-hosts or guests on this podcast are acting as your flight instructor. Please consult your own CFI for guidance on your specific flight training, aeronautical knowledge, and aircraft operation. is the Stuck Mike Avcast, an aviation podcast about learning to fly, living to fly, and loving to fly. Episode 215, Challenges After an Accident or Incident, coming up next in this episode of the Stuck Mike Avcast. Now here are your co-hosts, Victoria Newville, Eric Crump, Larry Overstreet, Russ Rosleski, Tom Frick, Rick Felty, and Carl Valeri. Well, everybody, welcome to the Stuck Mike Avcast. Today we answer listener mail, and uh, we just want to remind you, if you have any questions, please write us at stuckmikeavcast at gmail.com. Today's crew is, of course, myself here in sunny Lakeland, Florida. Actually, it's not sunny anymore. Sun just went down, uh, and we had quite a bit of rain. Joining us also from uh, north, I guess, I guess that's northwest Florida Peninsula, it would be uh, Tom Frick. Hey, Tom, how you doing, Matty? Hey, Carl. How's it going? Pretty good, pretty good. Is that what I consider that northwest, uh, the, the airport where you're flying out of now? Yeah, it's northwest Florida. That's, gotcha. That's pretty close. <laughs> and uh, and then joining us just north of him and a little bit towards the east is Michael McClellan. Michael, welcome back to the podcast, man. Thank you for having me back, Carl. Welcome, and I appreciate the opportunity to, to sit in with you guys. Yeah, this is fun, and uh, it's great to have you back on for our conversation. You know, we've been doing a lot of uh, episodes where it's been interviews and that type of thing, and and just some really a lot of fun things that we've been talking about. The last one was something serious. It was an aviation attorney, of course, uh, Chris Bazala. He's actually been on the show a few times, but we're going to kind of get to that. But before we get started uh, with the show today, uh, first a quick word from our sponsor. Do you want to pursue a career in aviation as a pilot, air traffic controller, mechanic, or dispatcher? Or do you just want to earn that commercial or instrument rating, but you need help paying for it? The Aerospace Scholarships Guide at AviationCareersPodcast.com has over $50 million in available scholarships. Many of these go unused because people don't apply for them. For just $10, you'll receive a full-year subscription to the guide, which is updated monthly. Every scholarship is personally verified to make sure it's accurate and still available. More information is at AviationCareersPodcast.com. Well, of course, uh, with the scholarships guide, one more thing that we're doing is uh, one thing that I call the Pay It Forward campaign, and I would love uh, you folks that are listening to actually check that out. You know, the scholarships guide is for everybody, not just people that are doing it for a living. There's many different scholarships so that you can get into light sport flying, you can get into gliding, all sorts of different things, seaplane ratings, etc. And one thing that I've done is I put this thing together. It's uh, called the Pay It Forward campaign. You can go to aviationcurrentspodcast.com slash pay it forward and what it'll do is describe how we're doing this if you donate just ten dollars we'll add a pay it forward coupon to the number of coupons out there we don't tell them how many there are out there or the people that are listening etc but if the person goes on and tries to purchase a scholarships guy we tell them try to use the pay it forward uh, coupon first and see if there's somebody that did pay it forward I've actually found that there's a lot of success with this in that 
there's so many people that want to help out. Well, the one thing that I didn't realize is the the one that most people are doing for the pay it forward is if you give $50, every $50 you give, I give one more scholarships guide. So for instance, the scholarships guide is $10. So if you give 50, that's five, but I'm going to add one. So that's a total of six scholarships guides. And so we've been having a lot of people do that one where you're actually paying it forward and you can also get your name on their website. Um, and we'll even put that here on the Stuck Mike Avcast as far as paying it forward. This is a wonderful thing. For just $10, you may actually pay for somebody's entire rating, all their ratings, or maybe a portion of it, or possibly some of their education. But this alone, the scholarship guide, has over $50 million of scholarships. It's one of the most exciting projects that I've been involved with, and it's finally something I can really, really be proud of and, and say that we've really tipped the needle, and we'll, we'll never make more than we give away in the guide and I just think that's going to be something that I'll, I'll have the rest of my life to do and I, I'm so blessed to have uh, have so many people on my team helping me put those in there and uh, and even you know Tom has suggested some there's there's a, everybody it's like a big community saying hey did you hear about this scholarship that type of thing I think it's just just awesome so as a matter of fact um, let's see Victoria actually she uh, was able to get a scholarship through the scholarships guide for her seaplane rating so anyway go check that out also, a um, couple of news and announcements. We have something new coming up, and uh, I know Tom and Michael, I think, are in the tune with this uh, and have been getting the emails, but we're announcing it today, and they just announced uh, there is a new Sun and Fun Radio live monthly show. It's The first one's going to be July 13th from 10 a.m. to noon. So make sure that if you want to find out more about this live show and the things we're going to talk about, go to the Facebook page and, and listen to it live. You can listen at liveatc.net slash SNF. Now, I think what they're going to do is possibly put these live shows into the stream that you can hear if you go and listen right now. You can hear some of those great interviews uh, by Tom Frick and Michael McClellan and all the other folks here at Stuck Mike Avcast and all the other podcasts that are out there. They're going to talk about the events that are going on throughout the year at Sun and Fun. And you know, a lot of people don't realize that Sun and Fun has events going on all year. I think, Michael, have you ever been there, like in the off, I shouldn't say off season, on other days other than Sun and Fun? No, I have not. I was a chairman for uh, at Sun and Fun another in Paradise City for um, for many many years, and I've never even been to the chairman meetings. I'm, I'm sorry to say that there are there is a lot of meetings that go on. There are a lot of educational opportunities, and there's actually a lot of activities that go on there year round. See, and that's a perfect example. I think a lot of people think that it's uh, it's just what happens there during Sun and Fun, but they do so much uh, for helping the community and educate and uh, promote uh, aviation amongst a lot of the youth. And that's what that whole Aerospace Center for Excellence is. They have barbecues. They have actually uh, shows throughout the year. It's a, it's definitely a venue. This year, we're actually using the space. We're hosting the regional uh, college flight team event there, and they have uh, they have gun shows. They have all sorts of things there. But but the most important thing is that. There is something that's happening all year round for those folks that are interested in aviation, no matter what age they are. I know, Tom, you've actually been on campus quite a bit on the off-season because, gosh, you you do a lot of heavy lifting, literally, in helping out with the deck. Yeah, and just getting back and forth and trying to keep the radio station up and running during the year. Um, There are lots of great events. Uh, One of the ones I've attended was, uh, I don't even you know if they held it anymore is when pigs fly south it was a barbecue and aviation and car show event yeah it was was a lot of fun and it's great to be on the campus and and get a little um 
um, taste of it in in the off season during the middle of the year. See, if I live closer, I feel like I'm getting shortchanged living up here in north in um, just extreme South Georgia here on I-75. Because if I lived closer than four hours away, I've got classic cars, I've got all kind of cool stuff, um, and I love barbecue. I could, I could get a taste of all that. Well, hey, you yeah, know, Michael, bring them down. People, <laughs> hey, my. Michael, people with airplanes don't have air excuses like that. Well, it's hard. It's hard to um, to um, to take a grill and a classic car in an airplane. You know? <laughs> That's why I always I always drive to these events that we go to because I can't take a camper and a golf cart and a, a week's worth of clothes and my wife and all of her toys and a couple of bicycles and and good gracious, who knows what else we bring with us. You know, though, if you need to, you could always park that classic car in my driveway. I'm just saying, you know, I'm right here next to Sun and Fun. I'll just i help you out there because um, they, they do have some cool shows when it comes to cars. Yeah, they even, you know, they have even have a little car show during Sun and Fun mm-hmm. um, that I always like to go by and look at those guys over there. And I have several cars that are exactly like those or, you know, I'd like to say mine's a little better, but probably not the case. <laughs> um, you, know, you know, it always is. Beauty's in the eye of, of, the, of the payment holder. But, you know, it's interesting how in aviation we've all kind of got into some of these other uh, venues like the car shows, et cetera. I know I didn't live far from Carlisle, uh, Pennsylvania, when I used to work for Hershey. The uh, Hershey Park was not far away. And, boy, I tell you, uh, the there's just this synergy between the car folks and also the aviators. Uh, we love machines, and we love ones that fly and go fast through the air, and also things that go fast on the ground. I will say one thing, though. I I love and I appreciate uh, older cars, but uh, my heart really is in airplanes. I love classic planes, and uh, and that's something that I just... I just part of my whole persona, and that's the reason I love uh, places like Sun and Fun. Is it's you can take some of these old airplanes and then park next to that airplane. You'll see sometimes a car from that same era of the airplane of that antique airplane. I just thought that was so cool. I, sometimes I feel like I'm on a movie set when I'm walking, especially down the the Warbird Alley there, which is absolutely you know phenomenal. Uh, speaking of which, you know, one thing that we do need to mention, guys, is. Uh, you know, we're, the day we're recording this is actually on June 6th, and uh, it's the 75th anniversary of uh, D-Day. And in Normandy right now, uh, there's some, uh, actually just passed, they just finished up some of the events where there's people that were flying aircraft over, especially C-47s. There's uh, ones that we actually saw at Sun and Fun, and we've seen here at many of the air shows. Uh, we actually have from the college, some of the students have gone over with one of the C-47s and have helped restore that, and they're actually there at the event. What an, uh, what an amazing event this is, but also uh, the people that were there during that event and their stories are absolutely amazing and it just it makes you appreciate the sacrifice that many of our our military people both their families and the folks that were there and especially the ones that made the ultimate sacrifice makes you appreciate them much more and and also helps us do one thing that i think is incredibly important it makes us remember Uh, remember the people remember the event and hopefully not just in in memorial but also let's remember so that we don't uh, make some of those same mistakes in the future uh i don't know have you guys gotten to see any of the events of today uh you know, uh, speak, speaking to that, and um, and I, I, have, I have obviously been watching it continuously on the news, but as well. But you know, these shows in the last couple of years, these people that are these, you know, the great America's greatest generation, that the ones that, t- that took part in this D-Day invasion, have been speaking at some of our shows around the country. 
and I know you, you may have had the opportunity like like I have and like a number of other people to sit in some of these seminars and, and talks and and that they these veterans have given and and that's a that's something that's just dis- disappearing daily as these people pass away and their stories are forgotten. And a lot of these people I've, I've read about and I've had the opportunity to meet these people first firsthand, their families have never heard these stories. And for these people to get up and tell these um, these, you know, coliseums or tents or whatever have you know, which, whatever you may have at whichever show you go to their stories and sometimes their families are sitting there and they never have told their stories until that moment in time until it was right and that's powerful right there for me and and you know and like i said as as these people pass away we're losing the history and we're losing the stories that have uh, up to this point sometimes never have been told luckily we do have some of those stories that are here and and we've retained them just in some of the interviews that we've done either on the podcast or the other podcasters especially obviously with sun and fun and um just been really honored to be able to just like the other folks here to be able to have uh, shared in those stories and be part of those and and bring them out just like you said many times you find out only through the interviews uh, with those people that they share the actual experiences that they had during that period. I know with my father, uh, I didn't really hear about what he went through uh, during his time in the service until it was in that type of a forum. So it really hits home, and there's something that does happen maybe 50 years later that tells somebody internally, this is time. This is the time I need to share what happened there because I know uh, that it was an incredible, you know, stressful event and also an incredible sacrifice. And our hats are off to all those that served during that uh, during D-Day, also all those that served during World War II, and also all of those military personnel that have served. It's uh, it really is an honor not just to speak to to those during World War II. They are they are leaving us, but everybody who served and uh, and hats off to our military. We do we do appreciate everything that they do. That's for sure. But D-Day, uh, there's one uh, one of the folks that I got to talk to in the C-47, the That's All Brother, that was really cool. That's a C-47 that they were flying over there, and they got to fly in the events today. I'm not sure. I'm assuming they went up. I was trying to find out, and I'm, I'm going to go look online to make sure they have. I was kind of busy doing some other podcasting today, so I didn't get to see the actual that dropping of that yet. So anyway, that's, uh, that's actually something that I, I think is just hits home with all the things that do go on here. It, uh, in the Sun and Fun campus talking about, uh, you know, these events that are happening. Other news, uh, moving on to our second part of the news, is um, something that I've loved all these years and something that I have really come to love and is the whole light sport aircraft and uh, the whole movement that that has uh, pushed forward in enabling people to fly in aircraft that are very safe, that are also reliable and are fun to fly and are just and great looking and has, has spawned a whole new uh, era of aviation manufacturing. And something's coming to an end, and, and that is uh, the Sport Aviation Expo in Sebring that have, I've been going to since they've started. I know uh, Michael's been going there also. So, boy, uh, just to talk a little bit about that, I th- I'm, I'm actually saddened in one respect, but also I'm very happy that, um, that they've mentioned that they're going to try to keep things moving forward, and they're, they're taking a new tack. Uh, I know, Michael, you were, you were reading something recently about this, and, and you've been tied with it too. Yeah, I started the show actually. Oh um, wow! 
Yeah, I was um, I was asked to um, to do the flatline commentating at that show um, at the very first show. I, it turns out I was not asked by the Sebring um, Airport Authority. I was asked by um, two of the other guys that have done this, and then they both passed on now. But Roscoe Morton and Vernon Peckham. Vernon is his background was always in air in ultralighting. He did ultralight flight line commentating all around the country and actually all around the world because he's actually from England. And then Roscoe Morton, he was, uh, I think, 69 and 70. He won the aerobatic championship. And I think they were they were competing in like Korea or somewhere at the time. I forget where it actually was at. But he was just a really, really famous guy. I mean, world now. He he had 37,000 hours as an airline captain. And they were both just tremendous friends of mine. And, and I had worked with them any uh, other shows around the country. And when Sebring first started up, they called me and asked me if I would come down and, um, and sit in with them. And, and so I'd done that show since the very first show and, and was really, really sad. And I got the phone call up from, um, from the organizers there, um, a short amount of time before the press release was released. And, and it was heartbreaking because I mean, we were already gearing up for the sweet 16 show this year. And, you know, I mean, you know, you know that they say that you don't have um, you, that everything is an opportunity. And so this is an opportunity for Highlands County and the Sebring Airport Authority to go in a new direction. And there's some there's some possibilities out there they're looking at. And so we I mean, I feel like I'm part of that family down there and I always have been. And and it really is a, a family atmosphere down there in, in Highlands County. And, and that the Sebring Airport is a phenomenal airport. I got my sport pilot classificate certificate there um, in O. Four, I guess when the sport pilot first came about and I really love that area I love flying down there I love the people I love the restaurants and I love everything about it and so I'm I'm really excited about what will open up down there in the future that we'll be able to partake in so I'm glad you said that Michael because it from from everything that's been said and all the other interviews uh, for the folks down at Sebring and at Highlands County they truly are uh, focusing more on the, uh, I think it was the youth or young aviator zone that they have down there, uh, and really trying to expose the, the, you know, the middle school and the high school students to the careers in aviation. That sounds like a new direction. It almost kind of sounds like what they've been doing with, with Sun and Fun and, and the year-long events, and I'm, ex- I'm really excited about that. I'm sad to see the show go because uh, that was kind of my beginning of the year. Uh, it was a little chilly. I do remember that uh, being in the, the first show of the year, and I, I do remember always having to wear a sweatshirt in the, in the mornings and sometimes all day long. Uh, so that was a little bit of a challenge. Uh, they talked a little bit about that. I think they were fairly transparent on the fact that uh, there's some other shows that uh, became uh, competition and moved to a different date. Um, and those other shows have been doing really well. Uh, but I'm really, really excited to see what this new uh, high school or middle school initiative is. And I'm telling you what, I, I really think you're going to see a lot more going on there. As a matter of fact, I think they alluded to a lot that's been going on with the drones. Remember they had the drone races there at Sebring? That started? Yeah, the drone the drones on there has been huge. And, and, and drones you know, are a tremendous part of aviation right now. I mean, that really is. I, when Sebring first started um, – Sport uh, light sport was the fastest growing segment of aviation. I think it's probably safe to say that drones and unmanned aerial aircraft are one of the fastest growing aspects of aviation at this time. 
And uh, but and what's interesting though with the drones is it also I think that's it's it's rising all the whole tide it's rising all the boats that are, with that tide and that being also general aviation uh, and the fact that. You know, no matter what, I mean, drones are cool. Don't get me wrong. I love flying them. Uh, I've done it a couple times, and uh, I haven't crashed yet. But uh, and with that said, it, it does, it's kind of like this this entry level to actually getting up in the air because we all dream about getting up in an airplane and, and being a bird and flying. And uh, But it also enables some people that are, well, gosh, you know, not able to do that, not able to get up in the air, to be able to see the world from a different perspective because of the incredible advances in technology and the ability to, to see things from such a different perspective from the ground. And yeah, I, that's, that's an interesting point that you bring up for mobility-impaired people, that mm-hmm. we, that friends that we have in family. You know, the drone experience and with the first-hand um, cameras that they have with the VR goggles, that's an excellent opportunity for, um, for somebody who's mobility-impaired to actually see the world from a different elevation. Oh, yeah. And, you know, having worked with a lot of people that have challenges in aviation and um, and may never be able to get their certificate, this is their way to fly. Um, but it's really been inspiring also. Uh, and also, gosh, I, I was kind of surprised, to be honest with you guys. It, they really... And these competitions, they're pretty darn serious out there, <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah, and, and and to look over there at the guy that's um that's flying this thing like a like a an absolute astronaut, and he's like eleven years old. I mean, that's cool as it could be. It is, and they go super fast. And honestly, I don't know the, the speed of these things, um, but man, they're they're going pretty quick around the corner. I've seen one crack up and just disintegrate. Uh, and uh, just just phenomenal to see those going super fast, and then right down around the corner, especially at Sebring, you see them. Uh, you know, the cars going by, zooming by, and I'm not sure which one's going faster. Uh, that's for sure. The scale the scale of that would be interesting to see. You know, well, how that how that speed would turn out. You know, there's some great um, videos on YouTube that some of these tiny draw drone. I mean, drones are you know make doing some incredible things through the forest and through the trees and, and every and it's it's just amazing I, I could never do that no no that's for sure um but uh but anyway talking about going back to sebring it's uh <clears throat> sad to see him go but i think we're going to see something really cool coming in the future coming in the future so for those folks that are thinking gosh you know uh, now what? You know, I'm not going to get my fix of uh, sport aviation. Well, uh, there is some place to go for that. For an, uh, There's this really cool expo. It's actually this year is going to be hopefully my first year going because I always am doing a competition during this week, but they've moved it one week past my competition. November 14th to the 16th, it's going to be the DeLand Sport Aviation Showcase. I have actually never been. This is going to hopefully be my first year, but I hear it is an outstanding event uh, and also is promoting uh, sport aviation now i know michael you actually have been there uh and you did the i think you did the live show didn't you last year yes i do the live show there every year not the live show for for the the radio show but i do flightline commentating flightline. there as i do as i do other shows as well right and uh how would you i don't know if i would i, I hate to compare shows too much but uh so what's unique about the the sport aviation showcase well it's, it's in November when Sebring first started out in November before the hurricanes. I think that was in 2010, and we changed our dates for that for November. I mean, I'm sorry, from November, October to um, to January, and so that left a space open in November. Um, Deland has filled that space very nicely. It's a it's a small show. It's starting out. 
um, up close and personal. Um, some of the some of the faces that we've seen at other shows around the country are there at that show, as the organizers and as well as the exhibitors and um, and also the family that we see our family in aviation, Carl, like you and and Tom and others that we see at these shows also not just doing radio but as well as aviation as well. They'll be there. Um, it's up close and personal. It's in a really nice part of the country in um, Volusia County, right there. I'm not far from the coast. Um, good weather that time of year. Um, up close personal flying, um, an opportunity to uh, to take a demo ride in um, in a number of different aircrafts on the field, and just an opportunity to get up close and personal to the aircraft that you may have been looking at purchasing or may have already bought an aircraft, but have some questions about it. Just a multitude of, of facets of that of that show. And all the exhibitors that we want to see with all the different equipment, not just uh, sport aviation, but but many different other types of exhibitors out there. Uh, and, of course, our friends at Chartered All, they'll be there, too. And uh, yeah. uh, it just every everybody that is is the, is there that's that's into aviation and loves and has the, the passion like we do for aviation is there. As a matter of fact, speaking of DeLand, uh, well, I'll get to this later. I have a little bit of a... I think I may have talked about it on the last podcast, but uh, a little surprise that I got uh, last week from DeLand, uh, and a little hint there, and we'll talk about that afterwards. But uh, but as far as the news, um, that's that was one of the big ones that kind of hit me and, and punched me in the stomach when I heard that it's going away. Uh, but I'll have to say I got up off the ground, and I'm happy now, especially after reading some of the articles. I'll link to one in the show notes, uh, AOPA's article about uh, the Sebring show and, and what they have in store. And maybe we'll get someone on the show to talk a little bit more about what they're thinking about in the future with uh, the Youth Aviation Zone, et cetera. I think that'll be super-duper cool. Uh, anyway, so that was our – we had a lot of news today. And uh, so let's get on uh, with our regular show and uh, with our cruise flight. Now – Entering cruise flight. The cruise flight today, like we said, it's going to be listener mail. Uh, it's, it's driven by you. Uh, we either have contact at stuckmygavcast.com or stuckmygavcast at gmail.com uh, where you can send questions. We've uh, we had a few challenges with the emails lately, so uh, uh, we're trying to get all your questions in and uh, comments, etc. And we love doing that. We One of the things we always like to do is make sure you learn something about flying on every episode. And this is really um, something that we'll start with with uh, the first question or actually the first listener mail. If you remember, uh, we had uh, Chris Bazala on, who's an aviation attorney, and he actually talked a little bit about uh, whether you need an attorney. So we have a listener mail came in and said, uh, and by, oh, and by the way, if you do write us, uh, we'll, we'll take your name out of it uh, unless you want us to mention your name, but normally we don't. And then we'll, uh, we'll ask the question, and usually we'll have uh, someone come on and answer this, but Chris couldn't be on tonight, so I'm going to read his answer. Anyway, the, the listener mail says, hi, Carl, just listen to your show about the aviation attorney, Chris. Does he or you have a recommendation for the level of AOPA membership for good general legal coverage? Now, I don't have the legal coverage under AOPA. I've thought about getting it. Uh, I fly primarily at work. I have a legal coverage there and uh, have uh, have been able to use that uh, but this is something a little bit different uh, and uh, and I'm I'm gonna just say that I'm 
actually starting to look into it now that I'm getting back into a lot more general aviation flying, and uh, I'm thinking about uh, signing up for some of their services and some of their plans. But Chris Bazal, the person who actually uh, knows a lot about ALPA, he wrote back and gave him an answer, and here's his answer. Uh, Chris Bazala says, ALPA offers two levels of coverage, basic and plus. The plans are the same, except that the plus level provides more hours of legal help in the event of an accident or investigation. Both plans offer hotline support, and both plans will cover the majority of legal issues a pilot might encounter. In addition to being a panel attorney for AOPA, Chris is also an AOPA member and has the plus level plan for himself. Uh, he went to the plus level plan because it offers more hours of legal support and better support with medical issues. That being said, he says that both plans are excellent. Now, remember, Chris Bazala not only is an aviation attorney, he also is an airline pilot, and he has signed up for this plan. So uh, there's, there's. Uh, w- with that said, just, just right there, even though I, I'm starting to do my research, I would have to say I probably would think about uh, signing up for this type of plan. You know, I'm wondering... Um, I don't know, uh, Tom, if you've had, uh, I know, I think you're a member of AOPA. Have you signed up for uh, any of these uh, types of plans or have you thought about it? I've, I've thought about it. Um, yeah, I think you get a basic level of uh, protection just being an AOPA member. I think that's part of your membership uh, benefits. And then you can sign up for extra legal um, benefits um, on top of that. Okay. So you know what we're going to do? We're going to actually have somebody from, I, I know that he's one of the panel attorneys, but I definitely think we should have somebody on to talk a little bit about their legal plan. I know we have one in an interview in the past and at Sun of Fun Radio, but uh, I really want to, let's kind of dig into this because I think this is really interesting. Either way, you can never have enough coverage, uh, especially when something happens, and, uh, <laughs> and, and it does, and it's nice to have someone that has a lot of experience in your back pocket, and ALPA sure does, and they have a real great panel of attorneys there and they have a full-time attorney on staff uh, there at AOPA and I think there's a a little bit of a shift there with staffing I'm not sure I'm not going to quote who it is there now but I'll look it up for you Uh, but they are but in general uh, AOPA as as an advocacy group and also one that's promoting aviation I am a huge proponent of AOPA, and I can't say enough good things about them. Uh, Have they had their challenges? Yes. Can they do things better? Yes, and they are trying uh, to do things better, and that's what I like about them. Uh, They keep uh, trying to reinvent things, and they keep trying to to make things better for us, for us, the members of AOPA. Uh, Michael, are you a member of AOPA, by the way? Not currently, but when I was a child, or when I when my children were younger, um, they're all grown and gone now. But when they were when they were younger, they thought that, that the name on the magazine was Aopopolo. <laughs> that was every time I see it, I think of them five or six years old bringing uh, the magazine in from the mailbox. Ao Popolo is here. Ao Popolo, that's so cool. I mean, that's cute. Um, but uh, great magazine too. I wish I could join all the organizations, but I will say um, uh, I love the people there. And, of course, my friend J.B. Beckett is there now uh, full-time, and he's just a hats off to him and, and what he does trying to promote aviation. But, yeah, all the plans are really good, and uh, I think Chris's advice is, is super terrific. So, anyway. I would, I would like to add that I didn't realize that there was that opportunity there available from AO, AOPA, and I personally will be looking into it in the near future as well. 
Well, I think we need to have somebody from AOPA Legal on to talk here today on the, or on one of our podcasts. We'll definitely invite them on and talk a little bit more about their programs and also some of the other initiatives. And, and boy, do we know a few people that would want to come on and talk about that. So anyway, Chris Pizzallo, thanks for answering that. And also thanks to our uh, listener for writing into us. Again, you can write to us at stuckmikeafcast at gmail.com, and we will answer the question right here on here. It can be anything. It can be something technical, too. We love to delve into technical questions. Next question comes in from a listener. Now, this is a tough one. Um, there's a lot of emotions involved in this one, and there's a lot of different uh, advice that we can give. So here's what the listener uh, talks about. And uh, we won't go into his whole email because I don't want to give anything away. So basically what this listener wanted to talk about and wanted us to discuss is dealing with challenges after an aircraft accident or incident. And uh, it really is is something that I think we have a tough time talking about sometimes. Um, but it is interesting to hear the stories from people that actually have been involved in an accident or an incident and the things that kind of go through your mind uh, during this period. And, uh, you know, interestingly enough, for, you know, going back to when I had a, a little incident uh, with a single-engine aircraft, I just remember you know, thinking to myself, because I was a flight instructor with a student, you know, this better be have a very positive outcome here safety-wise because now I have all this responsibility for this person next to me. Uh, kind of strange, the things that go through your mind. Uh, after the whole incident, I will say I was, uh, uh, I, I personally, and this is something that happens, I, I was very, you know, psychologically, I had some issues. Uh, just from a standpoint of stress. And I didn't know I had stress until a few days later. Uh, I noticed I started grinding my teeth. And that was something, because I don't manifest stress. It, uh, I do it more internally. So those are kind of some of the things that you have to put together. But w a couple of words of advice from myself, uh, and then I'd like to hear from the other folks here, is first of all, uh, it's hard to say this, uh, but don't panic. Uh, it's, you know, just stop think and then move forward i know it's it's a time when when just all sorts of crazy things are going through your head and you're like what am i going to do am i ever going to fly again uh and you know what's going to happen with the future etc what's going to happen with my ticket what's going to happen with my medical uh what's going to happen with with my family etc are they going to try to sue me and there's all these kind of issues that go through your mind but it's really it, the first thing is don't panic know that there's people out there that want to help you Tom, I think uh, you'd be a, a, a person that I would love to discuss this with because I, I do remember an incident that you had, and uh, I'm sure a lot of things went through your head after that. Oh, absolutely, and and everything that you just listed is true. You know, it's it's amazing how your mind works and just, um, you know, the idea, when, when I saw in the show notes that you had listed one of the first things was, I know it's hard, but don't panic. Um, it, it's... Um, it's hard not to do that at some point. Um, you know, during the incident that, that I had, um, I actually had a very cool head and was able to fly the plane, um, put it on the ground. Um, nobody got hurt. Nothing was damaged. I, um, I walked away from it. But, um, you know, afterwards is when uh, the panic set in. And, and you're right. All of those thoughts go through your head. Uh-oh, what's going to happen with this? What's going to happen with that? Uh-oh. You know, and and it's it's hard not to not to have those thoughts, um, but at the end of the day, um, you know, it was uh, 
it was a definite learning experience for me that that um, you know all these fears that I had of you know the FAA and the NTSB and everybody else that could possibly be involved with this um, you know were kind of somewhat ill-founded you know um, everything was done very professionally and and you know we all the entities that I had to talk to, we just got through it. And at the end of the day, it ended up being a non-issue. Well, yeah, non-issue, but, uh, and because it was very positive, but uh, I think stress-wise, though, it was for you. I'm I'm sure later on, it kind of manifested itself, too. It did for me, I know that. Oh, yeah. And it, it, I don't know if I remember exactly how it did with me, but I know that I, uh, you know, uh, took a little time away from flying and tried to get my head straight again. And, you know, um, getting back on the horse was an interesting endeavor, but um, I'm, I'm pretty sure that it, it stressed me out pretty good at that time. You know, years ago, I was um, I was taking off at my airport here in Valdosta, Georgia, um, climbed up to about 250 feet and had an engine out. And I barely made it back to the, I barely made it back on the ground and I can't say that there was not, not anything damaged but the first thing I did was get back in my other airplane and take off just as soon as I was able to I mean within a, within an hour or two um, and that helped me deal with my situation um, it, although it was unique because now I don't have but one airplane but it was an opportunity for me to get back basically get back on the horse and and like you carl i had some opportunities there with some stress later on and dealing with the situation that i was faced with and and trying to recover from that both i was not physically hurt but like you say there is a a confidence issue if there's nothing else that impacts us all yeah and it um don't you feel after i know i was i was kind of spring-loaded for something to happen right away uh for the next maybe six months to a year um not that we shouldn't be like that, but uh, maybe a little too extreme for myself. I think hypersensitivity is a is a, a, a direct result of an opportunity in the air. Yeah. The other thing too that I think that's important after these incidents, um, this this is something I did after another incident, and thank God I did. It's not a bad idea after you you know stop panicking. You sit down, take a deep breath, and start writing. Start writing down what happened, uh, especially if it's something big and there was a lot of people involved. I know at one time I had some flames coming out of a uh, right engine and uh, shut down. The, it was a twin engine, so I shut down the one engine, landed, and um, the fire trucks came and all that kind of stuff. But it really wasn't – it was just – it had something to do with it. It was a carburetor and just wasn't attached right. When we shut it down, there was no more flames. It didn't burn anything. It was just a lot of flames coming out of the exhaust, and it was touching uh, – the wing and right near the tank so i said the best thing to do is shut this down the thing is though that when the investigation ensued and the fa called me and said hey where's the airplane well what happened is they flew it out the next day and uh they said well the fire department said they put out a fire they checked the wrong box so thank god i had written everything down and said no i did not there was no actual fire the airplane there was just a lot of flames coming out of the exhaust pipe but there was nothing that actually burned uh and they were actually able to fly it away the next day would i have flown it the next day i don't think so i mean i was (laughs) i was i was not going near that airplane especially i was like hey listen i want a good mechanic to come here and take take a peek at this and uh i gave them they were gutsy to, to fly that out the next day that's for sure 
you know, that's a very important, um, that's some very important information you just shared there. That's as a test pilot in which we're all test pilots. If we build and fly our own airplanes, which I've, I've built a number of aircraft myself at my home here. Um, that's one of the things that I do as I start testing my aircraft, especially if, if everything isn't running right. If, if I'm having to return to the aircraft airport to, um, to adjust things, um, you know, um, to redo their cowling for, for temperature issues, um, you know, carb heat, you know, fuel line issues. I, I am really, really adamant about writing that stuff down because you always, you want to be prepared for a third party to come in and look at it. And, you, you know, that's that's very important to know, to have it a sequence of events for a third party to come in and, and be able to basically do some forensic work, you know, in your, in your record keeping. So were you, I'm kind of curious if it's something that you built. So for instance, like on your engine uh, power loss, were you kind of were you angry at all for, for instance at yourself? Maybe you're sitting there thinking, "What did I do wrong?" Because it is well, my airplane. Um, actually, um, what what happened with my aircraft was I didn't realize they that they were putting ethanol in fuel, and they they put ethanol in fuel before they actually posted on the gas pumps around here. Mm-hmm. And so I was burning Mo gas, which is you know 87 octane regular uh, you know car gas in my in a, a home built aircraft that I was flying at the time and so I was going to breakfast over in Moultrie Georgia and uh, I had filled my tanks up on the way there um, climbed up about 3,000 feet and heading towards Moultrie and I'll and my my temperature started climbing and so you know to they were climbing to the point where I would lean my engine out and I had I'd lean by hand um, the I have a an altitude compensating carburetor on that it was a jabru actually engine that i was actually using at the time and i'd leaned up so i'd, I'd give it full rich mixture um, everything was fine no power loss no issues like that so i landed in uh, moultrie had a nice breakfast some nice camaraderie with my eaa chapter members over there and flying home same problem i, I topped off my tanks over there so the situations were, were better coming home so when i got home i drained my tanks went and got new gas from the um from the Amico station, but it, but it topped up my tanks and took off. And as I climbed out to about 2,500 feet, engine went to idle. Temperatures come up. And so I dead sticked in um, to my airport here. And, and so I immediately started doing testing on the aircraft to see where the where it was coming in at. Turns out it was vapor locking because of the, the uh, mo gas. I tried a number of different things to burn mo gas and was not successful at being able to burn it, so I just started buying avgas. But that was about, I'm embarrassed to say how many landings and takeoffs it was later that I was actually able to, to come to that conclusion. I recognized pretty close, pretty soon what it was, but I was able to, to, um, to test the aircraft out, you know, one of the things that we do is, you know, when you test an aircraft is you tie it to a stationary object and you run it up to full throttle and, you know, see how it's going to cool, see how it's going to perform. And so, so that's record keeping is very important in those areas. So when uh, I'm kind of curious, you said that you finally discovered this. It's kind of like with and the record keeping going back. That's important. The the one thing that you discovered and you didn't know the reason till later was that uh, the ethanol was not a real good fit for your aircraft <laughs> for aircraft well, in I, general. Yeah, I realized that my airplane was not going to burn pump gasoline. 
mm-hmm. for whatever reason, I, I came to that conclusion. Um, I just could not get it to keep flowing. It was vapor locking. I tried everything. I in, uh, insulated my gas escalator. I put I put external um, cooling vents on my aircraft and you know, directing the air directly onto the gas escalator and everything. You know, um, vapor locking is kind of something that's really hard to prove while you're in the air. You can see the results of it, but you can't really prove that that's what's actually happening because once you get on the ground, it's gone. Right. Wow. Yeah, that's uh, that's a tough one. But but through your notes, that actually helped a lot. You know. Yeah. And then much later, when the, we we see the stickers on the um, on the gas pumps, then we go, aha! There's there's the culprit. <laughs> wow. Yeah. The and that that's a that's a negative outcome from something they're trying to do good with the ethanol. But uh, you know. One thing I was wondering after, say, this happened, there was no accident or incident, but uh, did you ever think of filing maybe a NASA report? Uh, and for those that don't know, you can actually file, and you should know that there's a, a report that you can file with NASA, the Aviation Safety Reporting System, uh, ASRS, and it's really, really easy to go on there and file something. Did you actually think about doing that, uh, Michael? I actually didn't. That was an O. Oh, <sighs> 0203 and I actually there was a lot of things I've learned through the years that through podcasts like this one and through educational opportunities like at these different fly-ins and air shows that we travel to around the country that I did not know then I have so much more knowledge than I did when I first started flying ultralights in 1987 it's it's really embarrassing how much I did not know just like this AOPA program with the um with the mm-hmm. for the um that they have these levels of coverage I I'm I'm really amazed. It seems like the older I get, the less I know. <laughs> Amen to that, brother. I tell you, I um, I just recently had an incident last week, and uh, at work, and you know, just and you know, I, I don't know about seventeen thousand hours, and and it really was a humbling experience because we both looked at each other and said that was really stupid. You know, like how in the world. Did we make that mistake? And, uh, you know, not knowing. And what had happened, it wasn't anything safety related. It was more a legality issue. And it was it was like, gosh, you know, we we somehow, we were joking about it before we left and said, oh, man, it was a paperwork issue. And we said, gosh, you know what? I just realized we were supposed to do this. And then, unfortunately, the flight had, you know, we had already pushed back from the gate. So, therefore, we didn't have all the legal requirements. And we're like, oh, man, I can't believe we just did that. So, uh, thank God it was it was something that was, you know, nothing really safety-related, more a legal issue. But one thing we did do. And, uh, you know, some people, you know, think about this, say, hey, maybe I really don't want to do any paperwork because i don't want anybody to know about this it's like oh no you know so you, the worst thing that can happen to you is if you have another party actually report that and uh it's called a you know the sole source uh document and uh, if it's non-sole source in other words you're the one reporting that you had a problem that's a sole source if there's another person that actually reports that same problem there's probably going to be an investigation and if you don't do something about it, like the NASA report or whatever other type of reports you might have, say if you're an airline pilot listening, the ASAP program, etc., they're going to come after you. And believe me, I've had that happen where um, there was an incident that happened and I just realized, oh my gosh, I didn't file the ASAP. 
and I had 24 hours to file it, and I didn't. I was tired. I went to bed, and <clears throat> you know, sure enough, the FAA called and said, hey, by the way, uh, you got uh, 24 more hours to get that in, or else we're coming after you, and you're not flying anymore. Oh, okay. I, I think they were just joking, but uh, but really, it is pretty. they're pretty serious about it, uh, so make sure you do file a NASA report. It's really easy to do. As a matter of fact, we should probably put a link in the, in the show notes for it. No matter what happens, it's a good thing to have, too, because some of those NASA reports show up, and I'd really highly encourage people to sign up for their newsletters because you'll learn from other people's mistakes. And, and like Michael said, you really can learn from the podcast and reading everything, and that's just another thing that you can read. I find as I get older, um, I, do, I, I, I don't take as many risks, first of all, but also I find out I, it's, very, it's more humbling now having more hours because I feel dumber almost because there's so many things out there that I don't know and I'm learning so much, which I guess is also exciting, isn't it? I think. Yeah, it really is. Hey. Hey, Carl. Yes, sir. You know, just as, as, you, as you're talking about this NASA report for people who don't know, Oh, that um, it's the Aviation Safety Reporting Program, and it's a prohibition against the use of reports for enforcement purposes. And that information can be found in uh, in the FARs under 9125. And that the administration can't use the information in that report um, to hold you uh, for, for punitive reasons. In other words, they can, um, un- unless you do something criminal, right, then, then right. they can use it. Right, right. Yeah. But um, it basically protects you, and, and it, it's stated there right in the regs. So that's why that NASA report becomes important as well. So uh, now going back to that, I'm glad you brought that up because that was something I really wanted to talk about is this non-punitive type of thing. It, it's it's confidential, which is cool. It's, it's also a voluntary program. It's non-punitive. But I tell you what, it's best to file this if you if you need it, you need it. Um, but one thing I will say, I do know people, or I do know one person, I should say. I do know a person, I've heard other stories, that have actually had theirs thrown out of this and have come after them. Because that's, remember what Tom just said? If you do something that's illegal, you're not protected by this. So this person actually did something purposeful and wrote it in there. If you, if what you did is purposeful, like you say to them, well, uh, my engine wasn't working and I took off anyway, that is, uh, say you're in a twin engine or something like that, that actually, you don't want to report that after the fact because that... That that there's all sorts of levels of of kind of silly and dumb in that one. You know, you don't do something purposeful and then report it to an agency, uh, and that's not going to be protected underneath under this type so of a program. So you can't use it as a get out of jail free card. No, no. For ninety percent of the, you know, most of us don't purposely do things wrong, uh, but if you do, uh, this is where you report it. And also, you know, honestly, if you do something wrong and you're doing it continually, and then you report it, you say, "Listen, I am never going to do that again." Then, yeah, then, yeah, this will this will be a big help here. You know, just like the safety program, the FA safety program, they have safety counselors that will go out and do some remedial training with you. And depending on your attitude, you know, you may just wind up with nothing. Nothing. They might just go through remedial training and it's done. Uh, or you may have another issue later on. But that's the other, the really cool thing about this is that it's non-punitive, again, within certain bounds. Uh, so, so 
Just advice, don't say that you robbed a bank using the <laughs> aviation safety reporting system because they definitely yeah. will be coming after you for that one. <laughs> that that leads me to believe that I should make clarification on my earlier statements concerning my ethanol-based um, engine problems that I was having in my with my aircraft. I thought every time that I took off, I had done my ground testing, I had you know, redone my fuel lines. Every What I would do is I would do one thing at the time. I would clean the gas tank out and the fuel lines one time. Um, take off, you know, do my ground testing, you know, tied to a stationary object and, and run up my engine for a period of time. And so every time I took off, I thought my problem was solved. And, you know, but it was still making, you know, uh, you know, making sure I could make it back to the, to a, either my runway or either a field, you know, adjacent to my runway every time I took off. So I wasn't taking off, you know, just throwing stuff at the aircraft and then immediately taking off to see if I could see if that was that was taking care of the problem. I, I was being a responsible pilot, you know, like we all need to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's for sure. That's for sure. Getting back to this person's question, though, about uh, dealing with challenges after an accident or incident, you know, we talked about don't panic, write things down, use a NASA report. We have a link to that uh, aviation safety reporting system that's out there, uh, real simple to use. Do you guys have any other advice to this person or those folks that are listening right now? If they do have an accident or incident, something small, maybe they hit a, a light bolt, a light, or maybe they take a wing off. Any other uh, maybe advice you might give to some of the listeners? Well, I've been in some situations um, through the years with some friends of mine that have had opportunities like that. And one of the things they tell them is that there's, if, if possible, don't move the aircraft until the FAA gives you permission to move it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's, that's some good a advice. big part of it there. Yeah, that's some good advice. And uh, and again, call your attorney through AOPA, et cetera, uh, now that you look into that program. Highly recommend that. I'm going to get a, put a link also in the show notes, AOPA Legal Services, uh, that's for sure. Uh, Another but, thing, you make sure all of your logbooks or logbooks, maintenance records and everything are handy so that when they do come to talk to you, you don't have you have all those documents in hand because right. – if you can't supply them, then that's the same as not having them. Right, right, and then they have to go through the process of finding them. And I, and I understand you don't need all that stuff right away, but you you know you can start that process because they are going to ask for that. They're going to ask for for a lot of different things. So, really, really good stuff. Great conversation. I think uh, I hope we've given you some tools to help you out. Uh, the one last thing I want to say is this: uh, in this whole incident, I I alluded it to first uh, when we started talking about this, but there is a time that you may even want to talk to somebody about this. I'm lucky I work for an airline so I can actually call somebody and have this conversation where it's a private conversation I I didn't feel like I needed to do that in this one incident and I should have because uh, you know I kept having issues with sleeping and stuff like that and it was a very nerve-wracking uh, issue and they you know after the trauma sets you know is over with there's after the the post trauma the the stuff that actually lingers with you inside that you need to talk about uh, there's there's so many people that you can go to and in the general aviation world uh, it's a little tougher we sometimes shy away from talking to folks but I think it's really important to do that uh, within the, in our professional realm we have someone to talk to so we don't have to disclose it uh, so you know we we may not have a medical issue, etc. We may just have a stress is- issue for a while. Um, but normally, uh, there's times when you uh, can get a leave of absence from work or just kind of go talk to somebody about it because it really is a good idea. Um, even if in the beginning it doesn't affect you, which it doesn't many people, it does linger. And it's uh, it's a good, the good thing to talk about. I mean, even just talking about it now, 
I think for me was kind of good. I really relived a couple of things in my mind as I was talking, and it was kind of stressful to be honest with you. So hopefully, I I won't have those nightmares tonight. No, I'm just kidding. I think I think I'm well beyond that. But uh, but there are certain things in our past that we we do think about, and uh, and there are people that can help. So that's that's the one thing I want to say. Uh, and also again, those organizations, AOPA, reach out to them. Say, hey, listen, you know, is there someone I can talk to about this? And maybe talk to the legal department. Say, hey, how is this going to affect me if I do talk to somebody? having the stressful situation so great stuff guys i mean this has been terrific talking about this um one last thing before i know we have to wrap up here um but uh, the last topic i want to talk about is uh, something that's really kind of exciting for me um something that i haven't had for a while when i started my new job with the airline i got rid of all my toys and I wanted to get a toy back. Well, I had this opportunity, this great opportunity, to lease an airplane uh, from somebody for a year because they're going away to school. And I was like, this is so cool. I started with something small, and I got a Piper Cherokee 1961 Piper Cherokee PA28150 because people have been asking me what kind of plane I've been getting, thinking of getting. And uh, I'm absolutely excited about it. It has uh, an STC for the 180 horsepower engine. Uh, the same one in your Cessna 172, and it's, uh, it's carbureted, though. And it's been just a blast. And you know what's happened the first time I flew it? It brought me back to when I started flying. And that was the coolest experience because in a 1961 Piper Cherokee, the trim is actually on top on the ceiling, and it's a rotate. It rotates. And it just brings me back to my check ride for my private pilot certificate that was uh, 30 years ago. And that alone, I think, was probably one of the most exciting things. Uh, other than trying to land, that was the other exciting part of it. So uh, actually, it wasn't that bad. I went up with an instructor. Uh, actually, the person that owned the plane was an instructor and said, hey, uh, you're flaring about a foot too high. And I was like, oh, good, just a foot. I'm, I'm happy. Uh, and then the next landings were fine. It's just getting that sight picture down. So uh, one thing I will say, though, about a new plane, and, and this is, again, going back to that, you know, being an older person, I guess. I'm not sure if it's older, wiser. I'm not sure what. But I, I will not fly it myself until I really know all the systems. I guess that comes from me being at the airline. But I really want to get to know it. So I'm trying to find someone to fly with. Maybe maybe Tom will, will want to go up with me sometime. Uh, Carl, I thought you'd never ask. <laughs> I figured you'd say that. Um, but Yeah, uh, so... I'm, I'm looking forward to it, actually. I'm looking forward to getting in the plane because um, I saw the plane when it was being put back together again, so I, I didn't actually get to fly it yet. Oh, no. But, um, okay. I know of the plane. and that, Yeah, so I'm, I'm looking forward to getting into it with you. So, so Tom and I uh, have a similar friend that own the, owns the airplane, and um, we, um, we know who that is. And, and one of the things that's cool is we've watched the pictures of it going together. Um, it's also kind of cool to get back in that realm of being an owner of an airplane. It does change your attitude from renting to owning because when you squawk something on the squawk sheet, it, it doesn't just go inside to the dispatcher. It goes to you. you got to fix it. And I know, Michael, you've, you, when you write down, hey, there's, there's something wrong with oil pressure, it's, a, it, it's you. You're the one that's got to fix it, right? <laughs> yeah, as a, I fly experimental aircraft that I build myself, obviously. So, um, yeah, I am the, um, the manufacturer of the aircraft. And so, 
Um, <laughs> that's exactly when I pull it back in. The pit crew is me. It's you. It's it. It's buck stops here. Luckily, I have a pit crew. I have a mechanic, so uh, I don't have I don't have an A and P. So and it's a certified aircraft, so I can't really do a lot of work on it. I can do certain things, um, but but what's really this and, and and you guys out there that own airplanes. I don't know. It's so cool just being able to walk out to your airplane and not be in a rush to go anywhere. Um, if you are going to go fly and someone walks up to you and starts talking to you, you don't have to look at your clock and say, hey, listen, uh, I got to get back here in two hours because I got to get back to the FBO to return it. So can we talk about this later? I can sit there and talk for hours. There's there's this absolute freedom that comes from flying a small airplane that I finally got to see again. And that right there was just, it, it was it was life-changing. I mean, I, I took off out of Lakeland, went towards Plant City, did some touch and goes. And the one of, after we took off one time, I looked to the south and I said to myself, you know, I really wanted to see what that lake looks like. And all I did was I flew towards that lake. I can't do that at work. I mean, I fly all these hours. I, I can't just say, hey, I want to turn left. I want to turn right. I want to go see this. All of a sudden, this whole world has opened up to me, and it's I'm incredibly excited about the fact that if I want to tomorrow, I could go to Cross City and visit friends there, or Gainesville, or Ocala, and um, it's this whole world that just suddenly opened up. Not only that, here's another cool thing, and I've never really used an airplane in this manner, and I, I'm wondering if you guys have done this, is... I can get from point A to point B rather quickly in my plane compared to my car. And I'm starting to realize, hey, I have relatives throughout Florida. I can go to Okeechobee in an hour. That takes me two and a half hours sometimes. I can go to St. Petersburg. That That's only going to be 40 minutes away. That's incredible. I mean, I'm not sitting in traffic. Uh, I'm just... I don't know. I'm just absolutely excited, as you can tell. Maybe I'll <laughs> calm down a little bit, but but it's just it's just this whole new world. And I know, you know, Michael, this is kind of is normal to you, maybe, but it's just like I just discovered aviation again. It took me all these years. That is true. I, I'm in my aircraft. I can fly from my house in Georgia, right here on in Valdosta, Georgia, to the Bahamas and back nonstop. Obviously, I, I'm not a I'm not a point of entry, so I couldn't legally you know come here. But if I wanted to, I could. And that opens up that distance in any direction that you go in. And that's really important. And, you know, they say that an aircraft is an excellent vehicle to get from somewhere that you don't want to be to somewhere that you don't want to be. Because obviously most of the time the airports are not our, our, our final destination, but it gets you so much closer. And the farther that you're, the farther your trip, the more time it does save you. Right. So I guess one of the things that I'm going to discover now, and I, I know I've used a plane in the past and, uh, is is realizing that there is certain limitations on an airplane um you know my work airplane is different we go in any kind of weather doesn't matter but this airplane it's not going in any type of weather and uh i have to be safe i have to make sure that uh i don't go into really bad storms etc and i may not be able to get back and another thing that some and i know this from experience but i have to keep this in the back of my mind there are times you fly somewhere and you have to airline back i mean that's just the way life is sometimes that's the and see i only fly vfr so that that really is a big part of what i fly and i'm we are amateur meteorologists all pilots actually are because you have to watch the weather so closely because you you know can i fly to this destination or am i gonna have to take triple the time and drive because of the weather right right and sometimes you do have to drive um i was uh 
we had someone on the on the podcast that actually was going to fly up to Frederick, Frederick and uh, she was like, yeah, I think we're going to have to drive it up there uh, because of the weather. It's just the way it is. Uh, but it is nice to have that option uh, and also have the option of not having to get the airplane back right away. Um, so this is, like I said, it's a whole new world, and I'm really excited to be able to share it with uh, with the rest of you. And maybe I'll, you know, I'll try to bring along a, a video camera, p- take some pictures, and uh, maybe even uh, we'll do a podcast from uh, from Tom's place airport near him, and and Michael's near near Michael's. I mean, I'm, that's not far away at all. Yeah, that's what you need to do now that you have an airplane. You need to buy you an air park here or move on to an air park. That way you can just walk out your door and push your airplane out. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. That is the next thing. I'm thinking I'm right right in between. So you can fly up to get me and we'll go have lunch with Michael and then you can drop me off and go back home again. It's a great day for you. (laughs) This is exciting. If y'all come up here, you may may not want to leave. It's so beautiful here. Oh, it is. It is. I've actually, I flew over it the other day at 35,000 feet. Uh, looks looks really pretty down there, um, but uh, I was going to stop by, but I think the folks at work would have been mad. Uh, but now that I have an airplane, that, I can actually do that. That's funny, Carl, because I did the same thing. I flew over Valdosta about thirty five thousand feet. I waved, and Michael didn't wave back. He's so rude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was. Um, I was in, I was in Canada last week flying commercial myself, so um, I wouldn't have been home even if y'all had it. But I would have hated to have missed a commercial airliner coming into my twenty five hundred twenty five hundred foot strip here. You know, as you can tell, I'm really excited about this, and obviously we all are. And and one of the reasons we kind of do this podcast, isn't it, is because we want to share this this passion for aviation and. Um, guys, guys, this has been so cool. I mean, just, uh, you know, helping people learn about flying and just, you know, living to fly and loving to fly. That's basically what we're about here. And I think that's going to continue on for the, for the duration. What's uh, really cool is watching people get back into flying. And I'm, I'm kind of watching myself get back into flying and it's, it's just such a neat experience. So I'm, I'm excited for the future and I can't wait to re- report back. I would like to add one thing if I could. Thinking about the juxtaposition between the, our experiences, y'all, you guys are talking about flying over my place at thirty-five thousand feet. You guys come from a commercial background, and you know you backed into general aviation from the commercial in a, in a manner of speaking. And I came from ultralighting, you know, up to general aviation, or, and and our our experience realms are couldn't be on more opposite ends of the spectrum. That's for sure. That's for sure. And um, one of the things that I love about GA is, like you just said, the ultralight and being close to the ground and seeing things from a totally different perspective. Very excited about that. Well, guys, that's the show for today. We do have to go to our after landing checklist, and, uh, and that is our picks of the week. This is something that we do uh, all every week that we are here just as a group talking. And don't forget that you can see the picks of the week on our page on our uh, stuckmikeavcast.com on our homepage and see all the different things we talked about in the past. We have a whole bunch of them out there. Uh, so today, my pick, I'll start off, my pick of the week is, uh, it's actually a website and it talks about That's All Brother. And That's All Brother is uh, the airplane that actually led the airborne formation on D-Day. It's D-Day today. This is the aircraft over Normandy that led the invasion I was so lucky to be able to talk to the people that actually were flying it from the commemorative Air Force at uh, over at Sun and Fun. And just talk about some really passionate people and people that are bringing back a history, a piece of history, and 
enabling us to have not just a museum, but a flying museum. And you can actually be part of that and help out with that. That's all brother.org is where you can find out more about it. You can donate. You can go to the store and buy things. They have some really cool different videos. And, of course, uh, their whole tours that they have are really, really neat. Beautiful. Uh, by the way, their, their photographs on their website are absolutely stunning. I'd love to find out who their photographer is because they do a wonderful job. Just so inspirational to see that. So that's all, brother.org. It's part of the Commemorative Air Force. We love everything the Commemorative Air Force does in, uh, in bringing history alive. And that's what they do. And that's what they're doing this with this aircraft. That's all, brother.org. So our next pick of the week, Tom, why don't you, uh, what is your pick of the week? Yeah, so it's like uh, we're recording this on the in the beginning of June. So uh, we just started uh, hurricane season here in Florida, and I know this doesn't affect the whole country, but you know the eastern seaboard of the country and and the Gulf of Mexico definitely are impacted. And um, you know the the National Hurricane Center, we all watch AviationWeather.gov um, to see for flying, but NOAA also runs the um, National Hurricane Center, and uh, they got some really cool information, and they just get better and better every year with their tracking and um, you know forecasting information and it's just you know as a floridian you know this is just we we become on alert every year and just start watching the atlantic this time of year and all the way through november and since we're right here at the beginning of the june i thought it'd be an appropriate pick of the week so uh check out nhc.noaa.gov nhc.noaa.gov and uh you know actually one of the things we should do is try to get them on the show that they just move their hurricane hunters here to uh to lakeland florida and i just heard a speech by one of the folks there the commanders that uh just did a, a an incredibly inspiring talk about her travels through aviation and how she got to be a hurricane hunter. I think everybody at one point wants to be a hurricane hunter. and uh, Oh, yeah, or at least try it once. Yeah. yeah no doubt. It, it's, it's actually quite interesting, though, to look at some of the videos on their websites. Go check out some of their videos when they show you the actual hurricane hunters going through, and it is a pretty rock and roll violent type of thing that's that's for sure uh michael i know you're new to the show so uh i'm not sure if you had a pick of the week i, I should ask you do you have a pick of the week this week no actually i do not have a oh. pick of the week i mean y'all you're you guys are really good too by the way <laughs> well well one of the things that we'll, you know we're gonna we'll put michael on the spot next time definitely have a pick of the week uh that's something that uh we love to share with you the listener because it helps you know spread the the passion helps spread the knowledge of aviation especially looking at some of these websites here well some of the links that we've talked about here they'll be in the show notes uh, episode 215 challenges after an accident or incident i hope you learned something from this podcast and uh, i hope you realize that there there's so many different facets of aviation that you can get involved with and your knowledge your experiences will always grow and it's it's something that i think that you, you'll always remember for the rest of your life but one of the most important things is is to start making new memories and start getting out there and flying and, and love to see you out there and don't forget to write us stuckmikeavcast at gmail.com if you have an experience you want to share with us if you want to talk about your airplane if you want to ask a question write into us really would appreciate that well, well, fo well folks we're going to talk to you next episode safe flying i can't wait to tell you more about my adventures flying
You've been listening to the Stuck Mike Abcast. Members of the Stuck Mike Abcast may receive compensation for products or services mentioned during the podcast. Compensation may be received in the form of, but not limited to, referral commissions, free products, or service trials. Our opinions and views are never influenced by any compensation, and you should always perform your own due diligence before purchasing any products or services mentioned during the show. The Stuck Mike Abcast is an aviation podcast and a Valeri Aviation Corporation production. Thank you.